This week on the inaugural Fraternity Story Life podcast, a welcome, some thoughts on empowerment, and a conversation with a leader in the field of possibility. You know, my favorite question to ask a chapter president is always, what are you trying to accomplish this year? Hello and welcome to the Fraternity Sorority Life podcast. I'm your host, Matt Deeg, and I'm excited to have you join me for this inaugural episode. This podcast was born out of my love for the Fraternity Sorority movement, for professional development, and for my desire to provide an additional, more regular opportunity for conversation and curiosity in fraternity and sorority life. Each day, conversations are being had about fraternity sorority life, in offices, on the street, on social media, by phone, all over the country. Some voices are heard, some conversations are seen, but not everyone can take part in these conversations or think about their implications. This is one man's way to seek further enlightenment and conversation in our field. I suppose with this being the inaugural podcast, I should tell you what you're in for. Every other week, we'll explore a topic. Some might be based off time of year, others just because they're a fascinating component of the work that we do in fraternity sorority life or in higher education. The main feature each week will be a conversation with a special fraternity sorority life guest or innovator in the field of higher education, exploring what they're working on, thinking about, and how we can build a better fraternal world for ourselves and for our students. With that introduction, let's get started. Recently, I've been thinking about how we make things happen in fraternity sorority life. I know my goal is to work with the student leaders on my campus to build a better community and a better space for possibility and development for all students, as well as just service to our overall overarching community. A great deal of our work has to do with individual students, advising student leaders, counseling them, mentoring them to become the best they can be. One thing that I've been exploring for the past couple of years is individual empowerment and its impact on involvement and leadership. There's some really fascinating research in the business world that we can learn from that focuses on empowerment in workers and in organizations. And this parallels what we're trying to do in the student affairs world with helping students to work with each other and become the best versions of themselves. One of my favorite researchers in this field is a woman named Gretchen Spritzer. She's a researcher on organizational development at the University of Michigan. Her work notes four specific indicators of empowerment meaning the idea of focusing on the match between a person's values and what they're being asked to do, competence, an individual's belief in their ability to fulfill a role, basically, can they do it or not, self-determination, a feeling of choice in how someone executes a task, not being micromanaged, having the freedom to do what one believes will work, and lastly, impact, if an individual believes they can actually influence outcomes through their actions. Imagine a student, or even a colleague, or yourself, lacking in one of these areas. We're less likely to engage to our fullest potential or seek new opportunities to use our talents. When I work with student leaders now, or think about my hesitance in projects, I keep these facets in the back of my mind, trying to identify which, if any, are lacking or could be improved through mentoring and development. I believe that at times we all struggle with each of these, either independently or all in one avalanche of disempowerment. So what can you do with this? For you or other individuals, when you notice a lack of preparation, follow-through, engagement, or confidence, start by examining empowerment in the individual. Does the person lack meaning? Can they see why the role or project is important to them? Do they understand how it matches with their beliefs? 
This is that ever-popular Simon Sinek start with why. Do they understand the why behind it and how it connects with what they're trying to do with their life and what they want to do to matter to others? Do they have the skills to be successful? Do they know they have the skills to be successful? Imagine being asked to do something you've never done before. That freeze you may have just felt is something that we want to overcome to help with competence. Are they able to complete the task their way? I don't know about you, but I really hate being micromanaged. Certainly some people may want more direction than others, but when push comes to shove, they still want to be able to do the task their way. Now there are some things that, you know, can only be done in a specific way, but give people the freedom to decide how they're going to do their work and their role. You would want that for yourself, so make sure you're providing it to other people. Lastly, do they actually think their work will matter? Have you ever worked on a project while a little voice in the back of your mind said it wasn't really important, that your colleagues wouldn't appreciate it, or the organization you're doing it for won't even adopt it as something they want to do? What did that do for your effort? Probably killed it, probably decreased it a little bit. This is what impact is all about, mattering in the grander scheme of things. If you can show them how their work will matter in the greater scheme of things, that it actually will make a difference then they're more likely to be empowered and to actually seek out the work that they're doing and do it to the best of their ability. Next time, when you're struggling with a student leader, or you're wondering why a project is stressing you out, or you're just trying to find that motivation to keep going, look back at empowerment. See if any of these facets are missing. Do you know that what it means? Do you have the skills to be successful? Are you able to do things the way that you would like to do them? And lastly, do you really believe that what you're doing will matter? I think if you go back and look for empowerment, you'll find that it can solve a multitude of involvement problems. All right, and now our guest for the day. Matt Matson is co-founder of Fired Up Productions and is co-owner of Fired Up Sister Company, Innova Marketing and Technify. I can think of no one better to start this project with than Matt. Earlier this year, I was reading a book, and an idea popped into my mind. It was a Saturday, and I shot him a quick message on Facebook saying, I have an idea. His almost instant response, I like ideas. Of course, that wasn't the start of our relationship, but it shows you the kind of mind and spirit he brings to the fraternal and higher education world. This year, Innova Marketing launched a new initiative to encourage people to rethink Greek, and I'm looking forward to chatting with Matt about that and all things fraternity and beyond. So hello, Matt. How's it going? I do like ideas. I'm I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, happy to have you on here. I love just chatting about ideas. So, you know, before we dive into that, I know that you've been in Fraternity Sorority Life for some time now, certainly a little longer than me. Um, and I'm always curious, like I love origin stories. And so what got you into this work? Why why Fraternity Sorority Life? Why Fired Up? Origin stories. That That's like, uh, it's like superhero stuff. I, yeah. Uh, so I got recruited. I think that's the only right answer to that question. Uh, what got me into this world is I got recruited. I, uh, you know, I, I, we can go all the way back to undergrad and freshman year and I'm in my dorm room and my RA knocks on the door and, and then he drags me out to a volleyball game. And the next day he drags me out to, to go bowling. And then the next day, uh, or not the next day, but about five days later, I found myself in a cornfield uh, becoming a pledge of Alpha Sigma Phi fraternity. <laughs> There's a lot of other details of that story that we don't need to get into, but it was actually a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, I got recruited. His name is Tom Coy. He's still in the industry, works at Bradley. And 
I think in a lot of ways I, I followed in his footsteps as an undergrad. He went to he went to grad school for higher ed, and I uh, I didn't. Uh, but I loved that he was uh, he was in this field, and he wanted to. He just had a passion for fraternity and sorority, and I don't say thanks to him nearly enough. But uh, uh, you know, after after college, I went and worked for Alpha Sig headquarters, and that's where I met uh, Brother Josh Arendi. Uh, and he and I, he and I had this crazy idea to start a company around 13 years ago now. So yeah, I am old. I think if that's what you were trying to get at, I am hey, not saying that you're old. You are yeah. seasoned. We call you all seasoned professionals in this field though. I, I am like, right. I mean, in this field, it, uh, it's, it's, it's like we're ancient history. And then there's a few people, you know, who are super ancient history. Uh, uh we don't need to name them right now, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm both proud that I've, uh, that I and Josh and Jessica, who I get to work with and Woody on our team and, and many of us have, have been around for a long, long time. Um, but, it, but it's also somewhat discouraging that so much talent, uh, leaves the field, uh, and doesn't stay dedicated and committed and doesn't find their place, doesn't find the way that they can survive in, in the field financially, uh, but also thrive in the field, I think emotionally. And, and, and that's a little discouraging, but, uh, but I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad we got, we got some people doing, I think, important work in fraternity sorority life. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you you entered the field. Really, it started as an undergrad because someone invited you. And now, you know, all the work that that fired up as a, as a company with everything is doing is focused on how do we invite other people to take part in this, uh, yeah. which is just really awesome. Yeah, I, just, I think, uh, you know, I didn't have a you know, Fired Up Productions is about recruitment education, and, and that's where we started. But it's very important for me to say out loud that that's never something I was particularly passionate about. As an undergraduate, I, I hated recruitment. I mean, it was just <laughs> the the time where we, where I had to act nice to guys that I didn't know, and I didn't get it. Like, I, I just didn't get why that was important. Uh, I, I, I did not put it together as an undergraduate and wasn't really very good at it. And I tell this story often, but you know, when, when Josh and I were consultants, we somehow conned our, our executive director at Alpha Sig to let us be co-directors of expansion, which wasn't much back then. I think our staff was like five people big, so we weren't exactly directing anyone, but you know, our job was like the recruiters, <laughs> the national recruiters for this, this fraternity. And I, I, I still didn't like it and I wasn't very good at it. Recruitment just wasn't a passion, but I think it was when I figured out a little later on, I think when Josh and I were starting the company, in a lot of ways, he taught me uh, that the the way that we could make a difference, the way that we could leave a mark and 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 matter, uh, not only in the industry but feel like we mattered to a to a thing that we cared a lot about for transporty life, was to help people do what we believed was this big gaping hole, uh, teach people how to attract high quality people into our organizations, um, increase the quantity of quality men and women in fraternities and sororities. And it's a line we've said for a long, long time now, but, uh, it's worked. And I think that's, that's what's kept us around. Uh, and, and what we're, what we're still passionate about, I'm passionate about fraternity and sorority, not necessarily recruitment, but I know recruitment is the thing, the one thing we can do to not only grow fraternity and sorority, but make it better uh, and change it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what we've been. Uh, we, it's been a. It's been pretty fun. We've got to do this for a, for a living for a long time now. Yeah, no, it's really it's really fascinating because you know what you're saying about not liking recruitment and not being good at it. I think about you know the work that I do with student leaders here, and you know I served as chapter president and some roles in IFC, and 
um, I wouldn't say I was the the be all end all of leaders. And now I look back and think, boy, if I had had or known the stuff that I know now, like how much more effective could I have been as a student leader? And I think we're just discovering and people are thinking about new and just unique ways of leading and working within our organizations that are making them so much better. Like I think fraternity chapters that are, are working well are way better than the fraternity chapters that were working well back in you know, 2004 when I was an undergrad or 2000 and I'm not going to do the math, um, 2002 or so when you were yeah. like getting out of school. How yeah, do you early, s- earlier than that, earlier than that, not, not, not bad, not bad math, but I, <laughs> man, I, I think you're right. What you just said, uh, fraternities are better now than they were then. Uh, and they're be- they were better then than they were before that. Uh, but I think now in particular, I, there's this, there's this, uh, maybe we've reached a critical mass numbers wise, or maybe we've, maybe we just have better professionals uh, in our organizations than on the campus uh, at the campus fraternity sorority life professional level. Uh, I don't know what it is, but there is a level of professionalism, excuse me, a level of professionalism and a level of sophistication now that I think is expected of us and that is expected of the industry uh, and that we can deliver for what I believe is the first time uh, that I've seen. Uh, and, and yeah, I've been doing this professionally for, for 15 years now. So um, uh, that's the stuff I'm excited to talk about. You know that. That's what you and I get in fun conversations about, either either through Facebook Messenger or on the phone. But uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I'm, I'm excited about what we can become right now. Yeah. So think back to like over those last 13 years. What have you what are some of the big changes you've seen in the field? Well, like what's shifted. Yeah, I don't want to be the old guy who talks about like the <laughs> you know the, the day. right right or even the the cyclical pattern of the industry and how you know we we go through these. I, I'm I'm not that I haven't been here around that long, but but I've already seen us you know go through these cycles a number of times where we talk about something it goes away and we talk about it again about five years later and it goes away, and I'm not sure we're ever actually making any major headroom. It just happens to be the the uh, headway, but it, it happens to be the topic of the day. I think what I'm what I'm focused on is is the future. Uh, what I'm focused on is what we're building right now. Uh, I think our members are smarter. I think we have a chance to lift college leaders' impact beyond their campuses by elevating the idea of fraternity and sorority right now. Uh, I think our members are doing business smarter, and I think we all need to keep up. I've been having this thought lately that. I don't know why I don't think this way that often. I'm a little embarrassed to say that this is a relatively new thought uh, for me. But we, as professionals, uh, work for our students. And I I don't mean we work to teach our students. We're not their professors. We work for them. We wouldn't exist without them. And I really think it's our job to serve them. I think they have – I think the fraternity and sorority undergraduates of the world, about a million of them right now, by the way, uh, have – they have hired a staff uh, and they pay us. Um, they pay some of us better than others and many of us not very well, but they pay us to help them get better. And I, I really, I think that they, I think that their expectation is that we execute on what they want. Uh, and I think that we have a, a, a responsibility to serve them in that way. And I'm, I'm not sure we think about it that often as professionals. I, I, maybe I, I don't, maybe I should more often, but I don't, I don't think enough of us think of the reality that that we wouldn't be here without them, and therefore it is our job to serve them uh, in a in just a very real way. We work for them, 
Uh, we are, they are the CEO and we are their employees and we need to execute on what they want. They may not be able to communicate the strategy. They may not be able to communicate the vision. I think it's our job to do that for them. We've been around, we do this for a living uh, and, and we can help them sort of lift the industry. We can lift their chapters. We can lift what their potential is. Yeah. Now that's, that's an interesting kind of way of looking at it. Cause I'm not sure that I've really either spent a lot of time thinking that, you know, I work for our students. I mean, I know, right. They pay tuition at my school and right. you know, that goes to a pot that comes to me and it's small amounts every month. Um, but you know, for me, I think the, the struggle is what happens when, you know, they want something different than perhaps what, uh, we in our all knowing, ways in higher education and you know we're not all knowing and we're going to make tons of mistakes but you know what we think they need um you know all the people taking student development theory and and looking at things from from that perspective you know i think my students would love to have fewer restrictions and and you know maybe less of me pushing educational programming i don't know um, I certainly try to do assessment and ask them that, but how do we draw that line between like what they what they want as organizations, or maybe you can go a little further into kind of helping to address that, you know, what students want perspective. What do you mean by well, that? Well, one way my one one way that it's easy to to stay out of the weeds of it. Um, one way that's easy is to know that I think for a long time most fraternity and sorority leaders, no matter the council, the umbrella organization, the background, whatever, most fraternity and sorority leaders. Uh, know that they have a cause, uh, a cause for as an organization. Mm -hmm. And they know that they'd like to make a difference in the world in a meaningful way. They may not be able to communicate that clearly, and they may not have the best you know, messaging around it, but they know that. When we ask them, they, they know it, right? And we also know that when we say, uh, this has been 100% true, by the way, anytime I've asked this question, I've asked it a lot. Hey, if you had more people to help you achieve that cause, more high quality people that you respect and admire and want to spend time with and work with, uh, if you had more of those people to help you achieve that cause in the world, your organization's cause, would that be a good thing? They all say yes. They all say <laughs> absolutely yes. And so uh, we say, then great, let's let's do that. Let's let's get more high quality people to help you achieve your cause. And then along the way, let's coach you uh, to help you achieve whatever that cause is, and keep you from getting distracted by the things that don't help you achieve that cause. I don't think I haven't ever talked to an undergraduate leader, even. Some that maybe uh, you and I, as higher ed professionals, don't uh, don't celebrate often. Maybe even them, even them, when you ask them that series of questions, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I want to do that." And maybe their cause is different than your cause or my cause or the cause that we would expect. And maybe it's slightly different than what their founders wrote down in a ritual book, but it's their cause. And to achieve it, they need more people. They need more focus, uh, basic business principles, right? Uh, and so I think for me, this is about eliminating distractions, us focusing, us as professionals, focusing on the stuff that matters, that we can measure and that we can that can push our industry forward. More high quality people doing the right things. That's kind of the whole bucket. Right. Right. Uh, and, and we can we can keep putting out fires. We can keep fighting the fights that keep us up at night and that we know we're not making much progress on. And but we hope we we are. And it's it's noble and admirable to keep trying. Or we can adopt some smarter business principles, aim at the things that we know matter to students, to organizations, and to greater impact the, their causes, and focus on those. And then let the students do what they do to the best of their ability. Yeah, it sounds almost, you know, I've, 
every so often when I'm reading like a, a organizational development book or something, I, I sometimes think, what would happen if I were to stop trying to act like an advisor um, or a higher ed, quote unquote higher ed professional and act just like a consultant for the organizations mm-hmm. and come in and work with them to say, what are you trying to accomplish and what pieces do you have? How can we use those to the best of our ability, but also how can we maximize your ability to reach those causes? So I think, yeah, that's, you know, that's something I've been toying with is what would happen if we approached our, our role in our work as consultants rather than, you know, student organization advisors. And I think we can in higher ed get really bogged down with kind of trying to put out all those fires instead of moving that needle forward with the organizations. Yeah. I don't know what the right answer is, but I do know that that's a, that is a smart question to ask and to explore and to reflect on, I think as a professional, uh, what, what is the thing, you know, my favorite question to ask a chapter president is always, what are you trying to accomplish this year? Because most of the time their answer, they, they're befuddled by that question right. because I don't think anybody ever asked them that question. Uh, their, their answer is normally, if I can get them to say any words out of their mouth, what are you trying to accomplish this year? Most of the time their answer is, well, uh, like, I don't know, I'm trying to survive, not hurt anybody, make it to next year so I can hand the torch to the next person. Um, you know, maybe win an award based on a big, long application that I got to fill out later this year. Uh, there is, there's a lack of focus on results in our industry. I think I'm just talking out loud. I feel like this is dangerous, Matt. You've got you've got me in in the soapbox where I don't know what's <laughs> going to come out of my mouth next. So, uh, anyway, everybody, I may have to apologize in a later podcast. But but like I, I just think we we don't focus nearly enough on results on the the things that we can measure, the things that we don't help our students name the thing that they're trying to accomplish, and therefore we don't often know the thing we're trying to accomplish. We got lucky, you know, when when Josh and I decided that Fired Up was the thing that we were going to do. You know, you know, there were two programs. Fired Up could have gone two different ways. I had well, Josh had this great recruitment program and uh, this is the curriculum that he wrote. And it was like, you know, recruitment. And I was like, nah, I don't really like recruitment. I've got this values program. It's going to be great. It's called Ace Your Values. And it was like just self-exploration and development and wonderment. And uh, and then we decided we figured out which one people would buy, uh, especially headquarters and chapters. They didn't care. I mean, they cared about values, but they didn't care about my opinion on their values. What they did care about was the stuff that they could count. Can I get more people in? And that's why I think we built a successful business is because it was it was built around like such a simple, clear, tangible piece of the puzzle that everybody could measure and everybody could know whether it worked or not. And it did, and that's why you know we're still around for a while. Anyway, so Josh won that that battle. I've won a few along the way, but uh, but but Josh won that one. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting because so the start of this semester with my chapter presidents, I've been asking them, you know, when you look back at the end of this year, what are you trying to accomplish with your organizations? And you're right, I do kind of get that not a deer in the headlights look, but you know, pushing them to go beyond just well, I don't want to kill anybody this year, or keep my chapter out of trouble, or we want to win a Greek award, like. You know, how can we help and encourage them to dream big? And then the piece I'm working with our emerging leaders class on, too, is how do you sell that vision or share that vision with more than just your exec? Yeah, because I'm worried that we've got 10 people in a chapter that know kind of where the ship's going and the other 50 might think, okay, hey, we're headed in that direction. But they're rowing like the complete opposite direction or all over the place. Yeah. So helping them to also kind of focus in on that. So, yeah, no. Well, I think, I think, uh, not to, sorry to jump in, but 
you know, some of that, some of this conversation is, is a, I think other professionals have, I've had some conversations with other professionals recently who have reminded me that, you know, this reality is a result of us playing so much defense as an industry for the last, what, three, two or three decades. Right. Right. And we have, we have become a risk management, uh, uh, superstars. I mean, th- this is what we do for a living We're, as professionals, as an industry, as we do risk management, we play defense and our public relations look the same way. Anytime we talk about ourselves publicly, we're talking, we, we lead with, you know, uh, we don't haze. And also, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do less sexual assaulting and also we're trying to be less racist and we're le- So we are constantly on defense. Uh, and, and then all, like and that's okay. Three or four conversations later, we jump into, Oh, and by the way, we might make you a better person or we're going to make yeah. you a better person. Right, right, like let's exactly. lead with that. Let's lead with, right. you know, the causes that we have. Um, we're trying to do this on campus or this in our community and, this is our focus and, you know, come and join us if you want to do this. And by the way, also we're going to respect you and respect other people as human beings. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's funny how we've, and I guess it, it shouldn't be a surprise because we have been so focused on defense for so long that that's the only way we know how to talk about things. And that's the only thing our, our members expect from their leaders and from the professionals who support them is, is defense, right? Is, uh, is helping them understand what not to do. Uh, and therefore, it's very difficult for most of our members uh, and even many of our leaders to talk about what it is they are going to do, not just what they're not going to do. Right. It makes you wonder what would happen if, you know, at a fraternity convention or somewhere, they, instead of having anything on risk management or harm prevention or whatever you want to call it, they instead focused on, you know, here's how to make your cause happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. might just yeah. blow everybody's mind. Yeah, I'll bet there's I'll bet there's a handful of organizations out there uh, and probably campuses too doing just that just quietly right now, quietly. And, and uh, the results of that will start to show up. Uh, I'm I'm interested in that, but I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. Hey, here's what I do know. There are there are a lot of innovative people in our field. There are a lot of people who think big and who try stuff. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard for them to uh, to succeed with that because of so much defense around them and so much, right. so much sort of, uh, uh we, we're kind of timid uh, to try new stuff because for good reason, we've been, we've been, we've screwed up a lot of stuff over the last yeah. 30, 40, 50 years. And, uh, and we've got to be careful, I guess. Well, and if you spend most of your time running around trying to put out, you know, all the different fires that you think are going on, you don't have the time to put into, you know, building a better house or reinforcing the, you know, reinforcing the organization or community. Yeah, exactly. So all of this stuff, you know, thinking differently, um, approaching the fraternal world differently, you know, perfect kind of lead into the whole Rethink Greek campaign. I remember when you first called me about it and we're like, hey, Matt, I want to run this idea by you. Um, and I'm, I'm list- I was listening. I was like, oh, my gosh, this would just be fantastic. And now it's going. And I was looking today and you've got, what, 72, 76 organizations, campuses signed yeah. on with y'all. Yeah, seventy-three partners. I think uh, I think fifty-ish of them are campuses, and the rest are international, uh, international, national organizations. Yeah, you were you were one of the first calls I made, Matt, because I knew I knew you were open to kind of wacky ideas, and and this was one of them. You know, we've been as a, a Josh and Jessica and myself and our team. I mean, we've been talking about this concept for a long time, 
Uh, and we this year was the the year that we had a chance to to try it, and we decided to stop talking and and, and do it just to see what happens. And it, you know, I, I probably in that first conversation with you, I probably said out loud as I did to many people, like this thing could be an absolute failure, it could be a <laughs> flop, but we're gonna give it a shot anyway because uh, I think I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. So yeah, I think one of your I, I think one of your questions was, is this a crazy idea? Am I crazy? And I think you know, oftentimes with those really just ideas that can take off and, and do amazing things. That's often the question in the back of our mind is, am I crazy for thinking this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so, so here's, here's the problem we saw, right? We saw that there was, there was no central voice, central, positive, inclusive, proactive voice for fraternity and sorority. Nobody was, there was no single way to tell the fraternity and sorority story. Uh, we have umbrella organizations that tell their parts of the story. We've got individual organizations and individual campuses that all tell their parts of the story. Uh, and many of those, very few of those are professionally developed. Very few of those have uh, sort of marketing uh, thought processes put into them. Uh, and very few of them are inclusive of the scope of the industry. Uh, and we wanted to, I don't know, it just felt like that was a problem that was able to be solved, but maybe there was nobody who was in a position in the industry. Nobody worked for somebody who was supposed to solve that, right? Right. I mean, I think about, right, the campuses, you've got your own bailiwick, you've got your own focus, you, so you got to solve your own problems, and, well, and then individual organizations got to solve theirs, and then even umbrella organizations, I think about the NIC, I mean, they represent only NIC groups, and so that's that's their job right and and they did that job very well and, and so that's 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 what they do but there wasn't anybody and so we just stepped in and said ah let's let's try it. let's let's try to launch a a major national marketing campaign uh to tell a positive story greek life be inclusive of of the entire industry and mo most importantly maybe actually have the campaign drive real leads to chapters automatically and uh, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about what we've done in the first month of it yeah, no. And, you know, as a campus-based professional, right, I think for many of us, public relations may not be our background, right? We don't know how to do marketing. We don't know how to do any of that. So much of this stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've gotten a crash course in, like, all of these different things, but that's not what I went to school for. Um, right. And so I'm certainly never going to be able to develop a comprehensive marketing plan. But you guys have, you know, that ability to do it, one, just because you have the skill set, but also to represent that national voice. And so... I'm appreciative of it and absolutely love it. How can people help out more with it? Yeah, so we want to, um, I'll be playing. I want I want every campus and every headquarters, uh, and for that matter, every umbrella organization, uh, to be a partner in the campaign. Um, this sounds like the the part of the podcast where I get to do a plug, so I'm going to just go ahead and do it. Uh, so, you know, www.innovagreek.com slash rethinkgreek, all one word there at the end. Um, uh, that's where you can go and find out how to, how to sign up. So, I mean, our, our vision is that this isn't the only way you market your fraternity and sorority community or the only way you market your organization. Uh, those, those should all have individual brands and individual stories that, that are unique to those cultures. Um, but we believe this can be a powerful sort of adjunctive, uh, way to boost the message. If everybody, if we have a million undergraduate members all singing the same song and nine million members across North America all singing, all who at least have a song sheet to sing from, uh, I think that's a powerful thing. 
and I think campuses can benefit by supporting it uh, by getting you know free material, free content, and also just being a part of this larger national movement. Um, I've had a couple conversations with a handful of of campus life, uh, campus Greek life advisors, uh, who have said, you know, it, this is great for marketing purposes for prospects and parents, but it's also great as a sort of a target to put on the wall uh, mm -hmm. to tell our students, listen, this is the message that's being that's being shared about fraternity and sorority life. This is the thing to live up to. It's aspirational. It's the it's the you know the target on the wall, the the thing that we can shoot for. I've had a couple a couple of Greek advisors say they, they've they've made challenges to their chapters to uh, uh, to get uh, make sure that their chapter stories are shared are so good that they're shared through this national campaign either through you know through our social media or on our Pinterest page or even on the RethinkGreek.com website. So um, yeah. I, I love sort of those those extra benefits of this project. Well, and I think too, you know, for me, that whole like aspirational piece, you know, the the void average tagline that you guys are also using with it, um, I'm using it with our with our folks, um, you know, a little bit more with Panhellenic than with IFC right now. I'm still trying to move them forward in their recruitment and just just in general, as a as a community. But looking and saying, well, we are not just a we're not just this group of people that spend time together, but here's who we are and here's what we're looking for and and here's how we will make people better in what we're looking for. So, um, yeah, it certainly has helped as a campus-based professional meet us at some of those aspirations. Um, so yeah. I'm certainly appreciative of it. Um, with that, you know, with that whole tagline piece of avoid average, I don't know if any students will listen to this podcast, if they'll ever listen to this <laughs> podcast, but if someone stumbles across it, um, what would you say to a, a student um, either a member or someone looking at fraternity sorority life, how would you tell them to avoid average? Oh, what a fun question. I think, uh, you know, when we, when we came up with that tagline, uh, cause I love this it. was through, That's well, it was through, perfect. yeah, thanks. The, uh, it was through a number of, you know, sort of internal conversations amongst our team, but also we had some great conversations. I had this whole sort of group of people that, uh, that we called as, we were building the the primary narrative of the campaign. It included sort of we wanted a representation from all the all the major umbrella organizations. Had long conversations with some marketing people who worked with individual organizations, and sort of this theme started to arrive to arise. You know, number one, don't be cliche. If we're going to do a national marketing campaign, it can't be about leadership, scholarship, service, go Greek. It just it can't be cliche. Yeah. In fact, it has to be about surprising non-Greek students and their family members, surprising them, uh, waking them up to the idea that fraternity and sorority might be more than they expect, right? And and we as we dug into it, dug into it more, words like selfless and driven started to pop up. And words like, uh, you know, all the words that you and I would probably be able to brainstorm pretty quickly if we, if we started to think about what is, what should fraternity and sorority be? And if we're aiming at the best students on campus, what are the things that they're gonna get excited about? And I think that was it, right? This tagline, avoid average, isn't isn't just about fraternity and sorority. It's, it's about, about like the your people. Life on campus. Yeah, but it's about the people we're trying to recruit, right? Good marketing shouldn't be about us. It should be about them. It should be about the people we're trying to talk to. It should uh, a, a great student on campus who wants to be just who's driven, who's selfless, who's who who has a greater vision for the world and their place in it. They should see themselves in our marketing. And so that avoid average line was about about them. Uh, what do they want? They, the last thing that they want in our in our 
in our in our brains anyway. The last thing that they want is to be average, to just go through college just to get a degree. Uh, there is a, they they want to matter. They want to do something more. They want to build a life, not just uh, you know get a degree so they can get a job. They while they are practical, they are also uh, inspired people, and and those are the people we're trying to talk to. And so let's let's build a campaign that's about them. And I think that's I think the I think fraternity did that for me. It helped me avoid average. Uh, it helped me, you know, I, I could have just blended in with the crowd. I could have been just a, another kid, and you know, I probably had a you know sixty percent chance or forty percent chance of dropping out of college like everybody else does. And uh, but I found my family. I found not just friends, not just brothers. I found people who expected me to be better and who saw potential in me. And isn't that what fraternity and sorority does when it's, when it's done right to borrow Pete Smith Eisler's term, but when it, you know, it, it, it inspires us to find the best version of us and, uh, and every single day. Uh, and so I think, I think that's what this avoid average thing is about. I think it's, it's just at the heart of what we as a fired up Innova and technify family believe about, uh, fraternity and sorority. This is why we do this work. Well, I think it's interesting. I was, you know, you're a Seth Godin fan, right? Yeah. Seth Godin. Yeah. Um, you know, when he talks about that, oh, I don't remember the name of the curve, but when he shows the curve of like people who like Apple products, you know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Google person, but we'll use Apple people. Um, <laughs> you know, they, you've got the folks who are just the crazy early adopters and they want the first thing and they will be the missionaries for Apple products and talk about them until the day they die, how amazing they are. And then, you know, later on down the line, six months later, once the iPhone 7G has been approved in product, um, you know, later on, six months, a year, other folks are now just rolling around buying it. And avoid average to me sounds like, you know, we're trying to get to the folks who are like, I want to be that innovative person. I want to be kind of on the cutting edge of things, not you know, oh, I'll wait and see if things happen and things roll around. That's when you were describing that whole thing. That's what I thought about. I was like, this is, we're trying to get to the start of that bell curve, not the latter half of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and yes, absolutely. And the reason that this campaign is different is because not to overgeneralize, but I'll overgeneralize, you know, most, most of our fraternity 40 messaging has not spoken to those early adopters, those innovators, those, those creators, right. Uh, to the disruptors. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken to the people who are showing up. We say, go Greek, literally. I mean, that's, that's our, you know, I've got this <laughs> keynote I've been doing that. I've got this talk I've been doing that says, you know, the title of this go Greek is not a marketing strategy. And at the beginning I make the crowd shout, go Greek really loud at each other, like look each other in the face and shout, go Greek. Then I asked, did that work? Like, like, are you inspired? <laughs> right. So, no. Great. Then knock it off. Like, like stop stop just shouting at people and saying, look how awesome we are. We do leadership scholarships and service and look how many presidents we've made and look how many, you know, what stop. Yeah. It doesn't, that that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. I I mean, it's great for patting ourselves on the back and making ourselves feel better, but that's not what the goal of marketing is. That's not what I think I'm going to take it away from marketing for a second. And, and, uh, Somebody taught me that, you know, my, my fraternity has a, a tagline. I don't know what it is, a motto, a, you know, a theme. I don't know what it is. But we've got this thing where we that, that Alpha Sigma Phi to create and perpetuate brotherhood. And that is such a like it seems like a cliche line. But as I dug into that line and really thought about that line, I had a fraternity brother teach me that, you know, you know, all that says is that the purpose of our fraternity is to give our fraternity away. 
the purpose of fraternity is to share it. Uh, yeah. And if you're not sharing it, you're not doing it. You can't just, you know, get a group of 30 guys and, and just have a whole lot of fun together and never give it away. Uh, it just doesn't work. And it wouldn't have lasted 150, 200 years for many of our groups. Uh, this is, you know, we've got to get better at giving fraternity and sorority away to the people who deserve it, the people who desire it. Uh, but it doesn't work if we just shout, go Greek at them and tell them how awesome we are. That just, that, that will not fly. Yeah. What I've been trying to do with recruitment here, um, is, you know, my honest tagline for our students is honest. I want them to get involved in something on campus, right? I want them to embrace something that will make them into a better human being. Um, our new, we've got a new president here and he talks about, you know, educating the head and that happens a lot in the classroom and all sorts of stuff, but also educating the heart. And so using kind of both of those things and the heart is really developing those relationships, impacting the community around you, uh, becoming a more holistic person. And so I always push them like, Hey, you know, I want you to be involved in something, but I'll tell you what, if you want to be involved in something that's really going to make you into a better person, here's Greek life and we're going to do that for you. And so, yeah. you know, pushing, pushing that one piece, but then taking it up a little bit. Cause you know, it's average to just go and join like three or four clubs mm-hmm. or a club or whatever. But if we're going to avoid that, here's this organization that you can become a part of. That's going to make you into that better person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw you, it. I'm going to throw you go a fun curveball. Um, okay. So as you're talking about this nationwide campaign, um, you know, kind of a, a platform for all of our different organizations and umbrella things. One of the things I've always um, been toying with. So I'm a huge football guy. Love football. Yeah. Love the Super Bowl. Love making snacks for it. Whatever. Um, and I've always wondered why fraternities or why we don't ever, why some group doesn't just say, "All right, we're going to slap down a million dollars and get a 60 second Super Bowl ad spot for fraternity story life." Yeah. If we could do that, what would you say? Like, what would that look like? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it would be cool. And I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. I mean, most most listeners, me, if I was listening to this 12 months ago, I'd be like, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> and I'm sure that's what most. But I, I don't I really don't think that's that crazy of an idea. I, I would have thought a national marketing campaign uh, would never have happened. And then, then we just made it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we just made it. It's not like we're low on funds in the Praetorian Sporty world. No. Uh, I, I, you know, I, our Greek advisors aren't paid well, but you know, there are bajillions of dollars floating through our industry. We've got we've got more real estate than you know probably McDonald's. I mean, we are. It, it is insane the amount of financial assets that our industry has. So to suggest that we couldn't play ball with the big boys, now whether that's a Super Bowl ad or a just a, a Throw it in the final four ad. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Just a more professional way to tell our story. Uh, I think it's silly. I think it's it's uh, immature of us to think that we couldn't. So what would I say if uh, uh, if I had a Super Bowl ad? Man, that's fun. That's fun. You didn't prep me for that question. <laughs> I don't I don't know the right answer. I don't know the right answer. But my you know, my my quick off the cuff answer is uh, that I wouldn't talk about Greek life. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I just I, I wouldn't show, you know, all the all the expected pictures and images. Uh, I I feel like I'd talk about spirituality and I think that's such a crazy thing to say. But I think I think in our modern world, there is an emptiness that people feel uh, and and that is 
caused by the surface level stuff that is thrown at us all the time. Uh, and I think for me, fraternity and sorority is this, uh, this secular space for spiritual development. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe I, I probably wouldn't use those words in the, in the, that wouldn't be good ad writing. I don't think, but, but I, I'd want people to feel the heart of it, which I think is, is what you were talking about earlier. I'd want people to feel what I look back and think about of what I got out of college, like what I got out of fraternity in college. I, I feel like it was the first place for me that I was challenged to live a life of honor and to consider what honor is and to consider, you know, our, our virtues, uh, you know, silence, charity, purity, honor, and patriotism, what those might mean in, in my life. And I remember, you know, I remember at times fraternity brothers challenging me on the concept of purity. Was I, was I using, did I have pure thoughts using pure language? And I, I still need to be challenged on that every day. And I think I, that's where my knee-jerk reaction would go because I feel like that's a hole that our society is, – it's a hole that is growing in the hearts of our society right now. Yeah. Um, and so not to get too deep, but, but I feel like that's the, that's the angle I'd want to jump at today. I mean, I can, you know, I can kind of see that with, you know, everybody is searching for that sense of meaning, right? Yeah. Let's, you know, everybody wants to belong to something, but even deeper than belonging, they want a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. Yes. And, you know, if we can help show, hey, here is a place where you can find that meaning and that purpose and be surrounded by other people who are both questing for it, but also will challenge you on it. Yeah. Um, that could be, yeah, I could see that being something really cool. We'll, we'll work on that. We can fundraise somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like I, I want to talk about that more. And so I'm going to because, you know, uh, you're not interrupting me. So I'm just going to keep doing it. But, I, but I, <laughs> I've, I've got this. Like there, there are a couple experiences that I've had recently that, that make me think about this a lot. I, I, I got to go to a, a big evangelical, you know, megachurch uh, with a very close friend of mine recently. And, and that, that's outside of my world, outside of my worldview. Um, and uh, I went to it with him just as a guest and had just a wonderful experience that wasn't about uh, the message, the gospel or anything else. Maybe it was, but that, that's not how I interpreted it. It was this sense of purpose and this sense of greater, greater you know, connection. And then I think the other I'll flip to another uh, religious experience that I had. Uh, I we've got this client fired up has this client that we work with that is uh, BBYO. It's a it's a national, actually international fraternity and sorority for Jewish high school students. So try and keep up with that long description. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh uh, and I didn't get it. Like that's again, outside of my worldview, outside of my experience, outside of my culture. Um, and went and did a couple of programs with them. But then, then that last summer went to this summer camp program that they do for their top leaders, top high school Jewish leaders who run this fraternity sorority that is very much like a fraternity sorority, but for high school students. And, uh, man, just this, this level of connection and this level of desire that those students had, uh, to be, to have meaning. Right. And these are high school kids. A lot of these kids right. are like 15 years old. Right. And, and, but a desire for meaning. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's only happening in Jewish camps, uh, you know, Jewish summer camps or in, in, in evangelical churches. I think it's happening amongst our members and our people. And it doesn't have to be about religion, but it is about meaning. Uh, and I think that's where fraternity and sorority can, man, fill a, fill a cool. Yeah. Need. 
I mean, it makes me think of a couple things. So, you know, first, if you read, you know, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, right? Yeah. He always, he quotes the, I think it's a Nietzsche quote, um, where he says, he who has a why can withstand any how. And that's all about, like, what are you living for? Like, what's that meaning in your life? And, yeah. you know, the, the other pieces, so I come from a very different, you know, I come from a very um, traditional faith-based Christian background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had conversations with Woody a lot about the parallels between church and organized religion and fraternity that, you know, um, organized religion is about people trying to find meaning and holding one other one other accountable to, you know, the things that they say they're going to live up to. And we're meeting and we're encouraging one another and and all of these things. I'm like, wait a second, that's fraternity. Yeah. We just, you know, we remove the religious component from it. Um, you know, some organizations, you know, they, they're, you know, you'll swear an oath to God or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And so that still exists. But, you know, they're both helping people to find meaning and getting people together in those like-minded meaning spaces. So, yeah, I love that search for search for meaning and, and saying, you know, hey, we're going to help people find that. We're going to put people on a path to to purpose and to meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I accidentally made your podcast talk about religion, which I think is, you know, one of the three faux pas, but uh, (laughs) thanks. Thanks. Thanks for going down that road with me. Hey, you know, it's a, I think it's an interesting parallel, um, to just consider, especially, you know, with so many of the chapters that have some grounding in that or what that looks like. Um, what do you think, uh, taking it completely different, um, and maybe some of these things will, I'll be reflected or we've already talked about them. But what do you think we miss in Greek life? Oh, that's fun. Uh, uh, I think we get distracted. Uh, I think that's my, my easy answer. I think it's, we are just, there are lots of shiny things. And so we miss the important stuff as professionals anyway, and probably uh, as a reflection of our students, uh, there are lots of shiny loud things that grab for our attention every day. Uh, and, you know, those, those could be little menial things or they could be, you know, the hot topic of the day, you know, your title nine, whatever that I don't have to deal with in my particular job. But, uh, um, you were very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, you know, that's one of, you know, a list of a hundred things that, that we could probably make that just in my opinion, not that they're not important or vital for that matter, but, uh, I think distract us from the thing that we're trying to accomplish. And maybe that's what we miss is that we don't know what we're trying to accomplish to go back to that earlier conversation. If we don't know what we're trying to accomplish, then it's pretty easy to just turn and work on whatever, you know, happens to be loudest today or or reply to whatever Facebook feed is getting the most likes and comments today. (laughs) Right. And, uh, and that's okay. Like I, I, I don't blame anybody for that. Um, because I do it. I absolutely do it. But, I think that's what we. I, I think we don't have any idea what our job is. I think that's the uh, the easy way to to to, <laughs> to answer your question. Yeah, and you know, to to focus in and and really try to figure out what our job is takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of focus and a lot of effort. And I think there are some professionals in the field that are are really doing that. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's really cool to see some of those and have those conversations. And sure, they're still putting out the fires, but that's like the side job. Like they're a volunteer firefighter and their real job is actually (laughs) trying to, trying to move the needle, trying to make people better and and really focus on like what we're trying to accomplish in this. 
But yeah, the other piece, and I think we mentioned, you, you know, we talked about this very briefly at the beginning was just, you know, with the short, um, not attention span, but short lifespan we have in our field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I, I really want to stay in the field is because I feel like we can't move the needle if people just keep on leaving. Uh, yep. You know, and so we figure out, oh, here's what we're trying to do. Oh, wait, there's like a shiny object, i.e. a higher salary over in, you know, this other place, this other world. And so we're going to go off and and do that. And so then we leave somebody brand new to try to figure out, well, what am I trying to get here? What am I trying to accomplish? And we just do that over and over and over again instead of having that longevity. Like I applaud people, you know, like Ann Arsenault, uh, Mandy Womack out at USD, um, who have been at their institutions for like 20 years. I'm like, wow, how'd you do that? But also think about the cool things that you've accomplished with with that. Yeah, that's so, exactly right. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, so one of the fun things I'm going to try to do with with each of these podcast interviews is, you know, give our give our listeners. Hopefully, I'm assuming we'll have some. It'll be great. You and my me, mom, we will. We will yeah, listen my, to them. I'm pretty confident my mom is going to listen to this, and uh, <laughs> and she's always excited. She'll post it on Facebook, and my grandma probably will like it. So yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel good about your potential here. Yeah. Hey, awesome! We got two. I'm sure my mom's going to listen to it too. If she figures out how to actually listen to a podcast. Um, so, but yeah, love you, mom. Um, but yeah, so just some fun little quick questions to give our give our listeners just a little insight into who you are too. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know that I'm a reader, right? Love books. Um, I can't get enough of them, and so I always like to get new book recommendations and give them out to folks. What have you read this year? It could be a book, or it could be like an article or a magazine or something that you think everybody should read. Mm. Okay, a few things come to mind. I, first of all, I've been sort of in a reading slump. Uh, I've started and not finished a bunch of books lately, and that's that's frustrating when I go through that. Uh, the book that I'm reading now is actually uh, not, you know, professional development. It's a, a an old memoir, a Hemingway memoir called Ooh. "The Green Hills of Africa," uh, and it's uh, uh, it's so fun. I, honestly, it's it's if you read it the right way, it's a powerful exploration of white privilege, of, of, uh, imperialism, of all the things that are relevant in today's world. But it's really just Ernest Hemingway talking about this time that he went big game hunting in Africa. Like it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's really got me, but that's not my recommendation. Uh, okay. Although, you know, that sounds Hemingway fascinating. Is always like, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it's, a, it's a quick read too. You know, he writes in short sentences, so it's, it's great. Um, uh, uh, I think if I'm going to re- make a recommendation, the, the book that mattered the most to me this year was actually Talk Like Ted, uh, Carmine Gallo, uh, I think. Uh, I actually read it. Uh, my fraternity, uh, Elf Sigma Phi, uh, asked me to come and help like lead a session on being a public speaker at our National Leadership Conference this summer. Uh, Liz Morehouse uh, is a brilliant curriculum writer, and I've had so much fun working with her. She works at Elvis Egg headquarters. Yeah. But she wrote this curriculum and, and had it incorporate the Talk Like Ted book. Um, and it's, uh, you know, there are some cheesy parts of it. But what I think I like most about it is it teaches you to be a good speaker and also teaches you all these other cool anecdotes from great TED speakers, uh, like woven throughout, because those are examples uh, that you read. And so it's, it's like every page is a new surprise about what you're learning about, but the whole book is about how to be a good speaker, which, you know, is important to me and I think is important to a lot of people. So, um, I think that's my, my recommendation. 
Awesome. So it's kind of like reading a, an ink article combined with stumble upon or something, right? Like yes. how, to, how to become a better speaker. Oh, and here's like interesting facts about like water in the environment or. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's probably it's probably like how anybody reads anything anymore. We read a few pages and then we are like, yeah, maybe I'll go watch a TED talk or watch some cat videos. And then we come back to the book and then right. I, that's probably how most people read things. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take a I take a break about every 30 minutes just so I'm not like getting that eye glaze going on. <laughs> right. Something. Right. Um, you know, outside of, outside of work is, and I, you know, part of this is just for me cause I'm trying to figure out like, I need to stop working so much. And I think, you know, you and some other folks do too, but, um, I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I bet you you're one of the folks like me that we're just always thinking and working. But when you're not like working, like really not working, what are yeah. you doing? Like what, what helps to rejuvenate your soul outside of work? Uh, well, my you know, uh, not not to give the expected answer, but but my kids, my two daughters, my wife, uh, you know, when when I can give them full attention and I'm going to be honest, that's hard to do sometimes because you're right. Uh, I am working all the time, but it doesn't feel that way to me. I mean, I, I just uh, I don't want to run. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to rub it into people who hate their job. But, man, I really don't like I wake yeah. up in the morning excited to do this stuff uh, and I can't wait and I'll I'll. I don't stay up late because I have to. I rarely stay up late because I have to. I, I often stay up late because I really want to because I've got this thing that I want to write down or I want to try. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, but but that's not what you asked. My my children uh, uh, and my wife are um, just uh, amazing human beings and watching a four and six year old girl uh, girls like become, you know, kids and and figure out life and engage in social dynamics and play sports and do homework and uh <laughs> fail and get hurt and all the things that are a part of childhood like it is uh, uh something i'm fully unprepared for I haven't found a book that teaches you to do and uh, i'm loving absolutely every second of i also i'm i, I run uh, I'm, a, I'm a runner uh, I credit Jessica Ginger Williams for getting me into running uh, before an <laughs> AFA meeting about four or five years ago. She was like, Hey, uh, I signed us all up for a 5k. Oh, uh, this was in, this is in like Phoenix or something. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll do it. Josh ran it too. And a couple others ran it. And uh, I haven't stopped running since. And I've, uh, I got one marathon under my belt. I'm not, uh, I'm not the, the greatest runner in the world. I got a half marathon coming up here in three days. So uh, wish me luck. Oh uh, yeah. We'll come so, yeah. up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think, you know, um, I tried running. I can't do it. I just, <laughs> I, I think you have to be a certain person to really like get into that. Maybe my mind just wanders way too much. I'm like, what am I doing with this? But, yeah, yeah. um, I try to get out and be active somewhat. Well, it's the, it's the only time I ever listen to podcasts. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think everybody, you know, in our field at least has that one moment where they're like, this was this was my favorite fraternity moment. And you can come back to it over and over and think like you'll, you'll tell stories to your kids about it. Like, Hey, this was that really cool fraternity moment that I had. Uh, what is that? What's your, what's your like fondest favorite fraternity moment or memory? So that's so hard. I, I know there are tons is, of them. I'm nearly 20 years into this thing. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so I think about, I'm not going to go all the way back to undergrad and I, this is this is maybe not even a moment, but it's I remember when Josh Arendi and I were fraternity consultants and we lived in an apartment with two other guys in, in Indianapolis around the north side of Indianapolis in an in a apartment complex that was just gross, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
uh, and we, you know, we were consultants and, you know, in the way that, you know, a, a lot of people are consultants and then they go on to other stuff. And I, I just, I remember sitting in the kitchen of that apartment, like sitting on the kitchen counter, uh, late at night, uh, Josh sitting there too. And like, just having long conversations, not about starting a company. We weren't there yet. Long conversations about our ritual. Mm. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if, I'm a big nerd or if a lot of people do that, I, I assume that I'm a big nerd, but maybe a lot of people who will listen to the podcast, you know, do do that. And I just, I remember those conversations. So cl- they were so important to me. It was like, I, I had left college where I had a wonderful experience. I mean, a wonderful, beautiful fraternity experience in grand Valley. And, uh, I took this, this job and like those conversations made me feel like, this work was so important. Like this was the big stuff of life, even if nobody else could tell, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, mom and dad are wondering what in the world is this job, you know, all your other, you know, friends went and made more money. And, but this felt like the important stuff of the world in those conversations. When we talked about ritual, when we talked about and debated it and, and talked about words and like, like broke down sentences and, and considered their meaning in our own life. And, and not like in a facilitator way, but in a like guys, guys hanging about... out at 2 a.m. or something. Yeah, 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 man, that's that's the stuff. I think that's I'm constantly searching for those moments. Like like that's why I do this job is because I want to feel those moments over and over and over. And I've gotten to I've gotten to with my with my coworkers and with undergraduates sometimes and with with colleagues in the field. Like those that's that's the magic stuff for me. That's the stuff that I love. Yeah, no, those those life moments. I remember some of those, right? Like you stay up till two in the morning and everybody's tired, but you're not really tired. And you're not going to go to bed because you're having this conversation about either ritual or just real life stuff like guys doing life together. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. That's That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think that um, those those night talks on rituals, just really the perfect way to kind of end our, our conversation with this. So. You know, Matt, thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me and for sharing about Rethink Greek again. What is it? Um, tell us the website one more time. Just another shameless plug for you. Yeah. So so the, the main Rethink Greek website is RethinkGreek.com. But if you want to be a partner, uh, you go to Innova Greek. So I-N-N-O-V-A-G-R-E-E-K.com slash Rethink Greek. That's a long URL. You can just email me too or whatever. You know how to find me. I'm, a, I'm on the Internet machine anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, everyone, our guest today, Matt with Fired Up um, Productions. Again, thank you so much, Matt, and look forward to just further conversations and exploring ideas because we both like them. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's our episode for this week. If you have thoughts or questions, find me on Twitter at Matt Deeg. Leave a comment on iTunes or on the blog. I look forward to sharing more conversation curiosity and possibility with you next time on the Fraternity Sorority Life podcast.